Hello and welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, EJ Fish. How's everyone doing? Uh, I apologize for not releasing an episode last week, but I did record an episode. That's right, I recorded a special episode with a guest uh, where we talk about The Leftovers, my favorite TV show, and I will be releasing it uh, later this week on October 14th, which is a key day for Leftovers fans. Uh, but we also ended up talking about a thousand other TV shows along the way, uh, everything from uh, from The Sopranos to The Murdoch Mysteries. <laughs> So it's a lot of fun. Watch for that. And then I will have, a, a, theoretically, a regular weekend episode also. So no episode last week, but two episodes in this coming week. Which, frankly, is maybe too much me, but there's a guest. So that sort of cuts into the pure, undiluted EJ experience. Um, I, I almost bailed on recording this week because I went out for a bit. And when I came home, one of my bookshelves had, had collapsed. Uh, which is a mess. Uh, and it was uh, the Batman bookshelf, which is not the only place I have Batman stuff, but it it's sort of the key, the key hub of a lot of Batman stuff. And uh, so obviously it was laden with uh, books. Uh, but it looks like a shelf maybe cracked, and then the books collapsed and just pulled the whole thing down. Uh, I bring this up only because I had other stuff on that shelf. And, you know, mo mostly dumb stuff, but, you know, little collectibles or stuff I picked up along the way or stuff people sent me back when my website was popular. Um, and almost all of that just got destroyed. And most of it can't be replaced. Uh, and it's it's, you know, it's largely dumb. Like, I had a set of the the uh, community figures from that stop-motion Christmas episode, and um, it looks like replacing them at this point would cost several hundred dollars, so I just don't have those anymore, and it doesn't matter, but also I liked having them, you know? And and this is the re that really made me kind of want to uh, uh, maybe take the night off was... <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I had this porcelain bird that was literally the only thing I have of my grandmother's and that obviously shattered into a million pieces and you know again it's not in real terms it's not important but it's it's the only thing I have of my grandmother's and now I don't have have that uh, and that makes me sad you know and again, it's just stuff. Uh, my my very dear friend lost a pet earlier this week, and that that's devastating. And this is this is nothing compared to that. But I'm also not strong, and I'm sad. And uh, I don't know. It's like I want permission to be sad about something stupid. So if anybody wants to uh, confirm that I I can be sad about dumb stuff in this uh, very stressful world of ours, I'd appreciate it. Um. So not off to a great start, but uh, I do actually, I have prepared material that I think I'll just just lead with because uh, 
Uh, I've been thinking about it. I was going to do it last week, and uh, the, the Leftovers record actually went very long, and I didn't have time to record anything else. But it's where it'll be super fun. But uh, I have to... <laughs> this, this is the first time I've, I've fully written something, and it's, it's going to take some setup. Uh, years, years ago, I was staying in... At this point, I can't remember if it's Traverse City or Bay City. It's one of these two cities in the very northern part of Michigan. Uh, whereas I live in the mid to southern part. So, you know, it's, it's a trip. Um, some of my friends were playing a show and I was, you know, me and Sam and a bunch of other people went to enjoy the show and drink too much and stuff. And, uh, I was sharing a hotel room with four other people, which is how I think you can mark this to my twenties. Uh, because holy God, that's a nightmare that a financially solvent person should never take on. And this is a lot of setup, but it's a weird premise. So it takes some time. Uh, there were two beds and in theory, a cot. And I had the cot because essentially the, <laughs> the other people had broken up into groups of who was getting clandestine hand jobs during the night. And, uh, I, I was not on anybody's radar for that. So nobody was going to share a bed with EJ. Sto story of my life. My, my, my autobiography will be titled No Hand Jobs for EJ. Uh, there. Hey, I'm EJ, not HJ, okay? Um, earning that explicit tag this week. Uh, so, you know, because of being me, nobody was interested in that. So I was going to sleep on a cot, which is, which is fine. I don't care. But the thing that they told us was a cot was not in any way a cot. It was this folded up piece of something. But when you opened it, it was essentially like a chair that maybe you would put a, a larger doll on. It was not a thing that a, a person could sleep. A child couldn't sleep on it. I don't know how they thought it was a cot. I could have reasonably rested my head on it, but it was high enough that that would have made the rest of my body very uncomfortable. So I end up sleeping on the floor and we're discussing this weird piece of furniture and I called it a, a chair a, because it had, had sort of like those crossed legs. Uh, so I, I called it a director's chair for the world's tiniest director, uh, which I immediately followed with Quentin Tarantini. <laughs> and then for a while every time we'd get quiet and you'd just just hear the sound of furtive hand jobs <laughs> either sam or i would just bust out another another tiny director and giggle and everybody else was so mad because these two dorks are just occasionally going spike wee <laughs> it, it was one of the it's just like a purely funny uh, experience 
And it's what I come back to a lot. I keep thinking of, every once in a while, I'll think of a tiny director. So I prepared what I think is the complete list I've come up with over the years since then. And I now present to you a list of the world's smallest directors. Uh, Quentin Tarantini. Spike Wee. Uh, and I will say right now that Spike Wee, uh, that, that's applicable applicable to a lot of other people you you could also have ang Wee or joss whedon or Wee tamahori uh and, I, and i'm not going to do every variation of that there's there's too many other tiny directors to get to uh <laughs> frank frank oz but the oz is small letters and there's a period behind it to indicate it means ounce uh atom mckay and you can't tell with my midwestern accent but that first name is the the smallest unit of matter, the atom, not the person's name, Adam. Uh, ben Hafleck. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this more than literally anybody else. Christopher Nomlin. <laughs> God, I'm an idiot. Small Verhoeven. Uh, Michael Less. Uh, that is Michael Moore. Uh, but obviously the small version is Michael Less. Uh, and because it's a different joke, even though it's the same word, I felt it was also okay to include Les Anderson. Uh, Tiny Scott. Oliver Pebble. Michael Boy. And that's the tiny version of Michael Mann, not Michael Bay. It's a little hard to tell. Catherine Bigelow to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> this is my own dumb thing and it makes me laugh so hard Tiny Scott David Inch P Peter Meir <laughs> it's Peter Weir who isn't as famous as a lot of the other people on this list I can't remember if I said Barely Levinson or not but that one is very funny to me uh, and uh uh, to wrap up the... Oh, no, I have two more. Guillermo del Becerro, uh, because Becerro is Spanish for calf, whereas Toro would be a bull. And <laughs> partly Jenkins. <laughs> I wrote those a week ago, and it still makes me laugh to say them, and I can't imagine anybody else will find it even mildly funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's your list of tiny directors if you have any more tiny directors send them to fedtalks at yahoo.com or hit me up on social media and maybe I'll do a follow up uh, next time more tiny directors um, also I really was struggling whether I should go with Small Verhoeven or Smalter Hill um, I think I made the right choice but I feel bad for, uh, for uh, not including Walter Hill who frankly could have used the bump um, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done on this show and this show is made of the dumbest thing I've ever done on this show um, <laughs> also just saying barely Levinson kind of cheered me up after I was feeling sad so look this is therapy for me if nothing else um 
hey, how about movie talk? Just real quick, because one thing is actually going to be discussed a little more on the on the, the bonus episode, which, as noted, is already recorded, and I talk about it a little there. And uh, one movie I don't want to spoil, so I don't want to say much. But uh, The first one, the Sopranos prequel movie, The Many Saints of Newark. Um, besides talking about it on the Leftovers bonus episode, I've written a thing I'm going to put on the APIVE in a couple days. And uh, here's the thing. I love The Sopranos. This movie is not good. It's... It makes some baffling creative choices. <laughs> Including the fact that the very first shot of the movie reveals that it's being narrated by a dead man. Which is very Sunset Boulevard and also does not fit The Sopranos at all because... Well, partly because it establishes canonically that ghosts exist in the world of The Sopranos. And now Polly's weird season four arc doesn't seem nearly so strange. He was the only one who, who was right. Justice for Polly Walnuts. Uh, and there are other bizarre decisions, like to have Ray Liotta play two, two characters. Ray Liotta is a man with a very specific look. I mean, yes, they are brothers, but he also seems to have gotten the note to play them differently. So the one who appears more, he decided to distinguish from the one he that that uh, appears in the movie less uh, by playing him very badly. Uh, yeah, once the second Ray Liotta shows up, any scene of his is just slow death. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, uh, like it, there's theoretically a racial element to the story, uh, but David Chase has never been good at handling that and setting it in a, in a more racially charged time. Not that things are great now, but like literally laws were different in the late '60s, and he sort of of ignores that like race riots are a key part of the early section of the movie but he sort of avoids ever looking into how life at this time would be different for a a uh, a black person versus a versus a white person uh, I'm making that way more simplistic than I need to but it 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 sort of acknowledges that it's different, but not uh, acknowledges privilege without questioning it. Maybe I don't know. It's very awkward. Uh, it plays like the origin story of a character who never appears in the TV show. Uh, like when the character in the last shot of the movie looking triumphant is never referenced again in any of your story that has already been told and completed 12 years ago. Uh, it's 14 years ago. Sorry. Uh, it's it's weird. It almost feels like he had a different story he wanted to tell and he was stuck using the Sopranos milieu. Uh, and it's it's weird because the, the thing that's good about it is everybody who is playing the young version of an established character absolutely nails it. Uh, James Gandolfini's son plays plays young Tony Soprano and you could see his dad in every single mannerism. 
uh, they have have some young actors playing uh, uh, Polly and Silvio in Big Pussy, and they are all great. Like they clearly just watched it over and over to get their rhythms down, and they are the source of most of the entertainment value. Uh, and also, the guy who plays young Polly is in the other movie that I'm going to talk about briefly, but we'll get to just keep that in mind. Uh, and but maybe the most most impressive uh vera Farmi vera farmiga plays uh libya soprano and uh cory stoll is uncle junior and not only are these uh you know characters very distinctive uh styles but these are actors that you know from things like they're legitimately famous people and they lose themselves so much in invoking uh uh nancy marchand and and uh, uh, Dominic Chienes, uh, I think I mispronounced that. I apologize. Uh, they just, but they lose themselves just so much in just invoking those two performances, and that's really fantastic. It's genuinely, uh, just genuinely love that stuff. I loved anytime they, like, we actually saw something that had been referenced a bunch of times on the show, like like uh, Johnny Soprano sh shooting Livia's beehive hairdo. Um, but by the end of it, I realized the only good parts were the parts that were reminding me of the thing I liked, which is not the same as being good. You know, it's uh, like John Hodgman always says, nostalgia is a toxic impulse. And I really... I really get that because I think David Chase is nostalgic for this time period in a way that he, it turns out he can't, uh, uh, verbalize in any interesting way. And I'm getting through a movie that is frankly, immensely disappointing simply because for, simply for those moments where it reminds me of the thing I like. And that's, that's not a reason to like something. It's, I don't know. I've sort of been going through a whole thing lately where I'm sort of questioning tastes of mine that haven't changed for decades. And uh, this is clearly different. This is, uh, you know, it's not like I outgrew The Sopranos. Uh, the David Chase of 2021 is not the David Chase who was making TV in the early 2000s. Um, or... Frankly, he's not cut out for movies, which is weird because he always said he'd rather be making t movies than television. And that's frankly crazy because uh, Sopranos is a character piece that plays out over 80 hours. And film is maybe the worst medium in the world to approach that kind of story. Uh, yeah, he's he's so he what I mean, he literally hasn't done he wrote and directed one movie since The Sopranos ended, and that was also bad. Uh, but he, he pretty much just been out of the out of the business, I guess. But in his in the Sopranos days he was so good at at gradually revealing character without hitting you over the head. Like there's there's character development is maybe the best thing about that show is the, the way they grow and the way we come to understand them. And in, in Tony's case, how he uh, 
starts to understand himself. Uh, but it was it was a bummer. It was it was bad, and I was really excited about it, even though I got a little bit of a stink vibe off it early on when everybody kept everybody doing interviews kept saying, "Well, you know, it's it's not exactly what you expect from the Sopranos." It's like, well, but the Sopranos was good. I I want a new thing to be like the good thing, at least in that way, in that it's also good. Uh, so. Yeah, Many Saints of Newark is a big, big bummer. Uh, also, it, it is on HBO Max if you want to see it. Don't go to the, don't go to the theater. It's not worth paying money for and having that stress of being in a movie theater. Um, and uh, David Chase was apparently furious that they did the simultaneous release because he said it was meant to be seen on the big screen, and it, it really isn't. It looks like a TV show, which I, I don't mean in a negative way, because, uh, you know, where I come from, TV better than movies. But it is shot like a TV show. It would look fine. It looks fine on TV. Uh, I mean, the director is Alan, Alan Taylor, who was one of the big directors on The Sopranos. And... You know, he's mostly done television. He directs a good-looking TV show. You know, there's nothing wrong with the way it looks, but it is not tailored specifically for a big-screen experience. Uh, it looks... It's... Yeah. Uh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm still going to post a thing. Uh, and then I'll be done talking about it. Uh, and the thing I, I really really loved and I don't want to say too much about because it just came out and I don't want to spoil anything but uh, the new James Bond movie No Time to Die is tremendous and I am a I'm a big James Bond fan but even as such I recognize that a lot of his movies are not great but are fun whereas this I was genuinely blown away uh the cool thing they did with Daniel Craig's Bond is actually giving him a an arc and a continuity through his movies, whereas all the other Bonds has just sort of been, oh, hey, a new adventure. Uh, nothing from before carries over. Um, the people they met in that last movie will never be referenced again. Whereas uh, Daniel Craig's has been is played out as a, as a, I mean, a sort of, you know, Four, four movies in before they really started tying it together but still they did and with this I think it worked better in this one than it did Inspector frankly but that's talk for another time um, but it lets them do one thing they've never been able to do in a James Bond movie before which is have James have, have Bond's past come back to haunt him in a way that makes sense to us the viewer because usually they would if they were to do that they'd have to invent a past because they really never acknowledge past movies because it's a 50 plus year franchise and essentially you have to most of the time you have to ignore every previous movie definitely every previous bond sometimes previous movies within the same bond uh and you know that's 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 fine. That's a perfectly good way to do it. But treat but treating 
Daniel Craig's Bond as a singular character and having it tied together, I think, is uh, worked really well. It was it was so well executed, like just genuinely top five Bond for me. Honestly, probably a top three if I'm going to if I am uh, going to, you know, it's hard to tell opening weekend, but I, I. I think it's actually one of the better movie movies of the Bond franchise, like in overall quality, where you take it as a thing on its own and not just as a another entry in one of the biggest franchises of, of our time. Um, but yeah, honestly, it's, I'll reassess in a couple of weeks, but right now, top three, Casino Royale, uh, No Time to Die, and Gold, GoldenEye. I love GoldenEye. Also, GoldenEye and Casino Royale, directed by the same guy. How about that, huh? Way to go, Martin Campbell. Martin Campbell also directed the Green Lantern movie, so he's not necessarily he's not always coming through in the clutch I guess is what I'm saying but I'm fascinated that he directed two so different Bond movies and they're the best that's right objectively my word is I was going to say my word is Bond but I hate puns uh, I know a lot of people and I'd probably put From Russia With Love in the top four even though I don't really like Sean Connery uh, I don't like Sean Connery's Bond that much because he's so visibly disinterested in what he's doing most of the time. But that one's legitimately really good. Uh, the point is, it's it's very good. It does some stuff they've never been able to do with the character before and maybe never will again. Um, and I cried, which is a weird reaction to have. Um, and honestly, the next because of the way they made this one whole story that's very specific to the Daniel Craig version uh, the next time we see James Bond it's going to be a hard reboot like rather than just the implied reboots before this is going to be like a full uh, Toby McGuire to Andy, Gar Andy Garfield because we're best friends uh, Andrew Garfield to Tom Holland Spider-Man thing where it has to be made clear though those are different that's that's a that's a multiverse and i think they can get away with that now because people because of spider-man largely people are familiar with that with 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 a reboot essentially you know they're familiar they nobody thinks andrew garfield is playing toby Maguire's spider-man uh you know it's because for a long time, Batman had us really thrown off because Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, and George Clooney were all theoretically the same guy and uh, who had just been recast. He wasn't really rebooted until Christian Bale. And, you know, Spider-Man's been rebooted frequently and people seem to understand it. And then thanks to Loki breaking time, now James Bond can, uh, we, we can have a variant. Uh, I realize he is not owned by Disney. But I assume, uh, I assume the events of of the Disney Plus Loki series affected uh, other entertainment properties beyond just the Marvel universe. Uh, it explains why Nate got so mean in season two of Ted Lasso. Is he's a he's a variant Nate from another <laughs> from, from elsewhere in the multiverse. 
um, you know, that's going to, it's how you can reconcile, <laughs> reconcile Mads Mikkelsen, Hannibal Lecter with Anthony Hopkins, Hannibal Lecter. Um, but yeah, uh, No Time to Die, highest possible EJ recommendation. Many Saints of Newark, no recommendation whatsoever. If you're a Sopranos freak like me, you'll end up seeing it, but you, you'll you find things to like, but overall will not have a good time. Ah, uh, that's right, I'm telling you how you will feel. I'm just that good. Ah, uh, boy, we got to a half hour fast. I think I might have talked more about the Sopranos movie than I intended to. Uh, I seem to very clearly remember say, saying, uh, I'm not going to talk about this too long, and then I did. Uh, I can't be trusted, I guess, is what I'm saying. But we'll wrap this up. Oh, I can't wrap it up yet. I have to, uh, I still have to have a word for my sponsor. My sponsor, of course, is the tremendous uh, teasebysummer.com. Uh, I can't remember if last time I didn't add the new design was out, but there is t-shirts and mugs with the, uh, from the Carl Havoc sketch. You know, the, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore guy. And, uh, in the last few days I have gotten my mugs and my shirt and they look awesome. Uh, this will be the new mug I drink from at work because it does say I don't want to be here anymore. Or I don't want to be around any. I think it's I don't want to be around anymore. But it accurately describes how I feel at work either way. Uh, so that will be my new drinking mug. Uh, it, it's really good. They're, they look just awesome. Uh, and of course everything on that site is is very good. Just so well designed. Um, it's I can't come up with, with words right now. I'm very tired, you see, uh, but just absolutely the best. I'm, I am so happy with everything I've, I've, I've purchased from TeasedBySummer.com, uh, mugs and shirts, and it's all very. It's I. I've been happy with every single thing, and it's it's just great. She's so she's so talented, you guys. Uh, so buy something and tell her how great she is. Uh, and I haven't mentioned this in a while, but even if you can't buy anything right now, at least go to the site, uh, uh, click the heart so you can like the store to become an admirer. You can also like individual items and that helps get exposure. So, uh, do that, uh, you know, just help out and then buy something when you can or buy something now. Uh, it's all, it's all really good. Uh, holidays are coming up. Great gifts. If you have a friend who likes things, go for it. Uh, Teasebysummer.com, the best. Uh, and that is all I have for today. Um, you can email me at fedtalks at yahoo.com. Twitter at EJFettis. Instagram, I think, is EJ underscore Fettis. Uh, hit me up any of, any of those ways if you have more tiny directors. Uh, and I will be happy to give you full credit for your tiny director entries. Um, and that's it. Uh, the talk can help me forget about my broken bird. So that was, that was nice. Uh, but now it's time for me to return to reality and <laughs> think about my grandma, I guess. Great. 
Um, all right, so there'll be another episode October 14th where my very fun guest and I talk about The Leftovers and so many other TV shows. Um, and hopefully a regular episode. And I might have another bonus episode this month yet. I've realized that uh, talking to people and recording is fun. So I want to do more of that. Uh, we'll see how it works. I don't know that many people, so I'm going to, I'm going to run out. I'm going to run out of guests so fast. Uh, and most of the, my local friends have made it clear. They will not be appearing on this show for any reason. Uh, they're great. I'm sure they still like me. Um, so that's it. I'll see you on the 14th and then get over the weekend or whenever you listen to it. I can't control that. Uh, I'll see you later. Bye. Fed Talks is a Full Boys production. Wah, 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 wah.